Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or throws it, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawoski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Chelios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the Tames! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Falling back, Sobel drives, gets it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Play the center for Tames, you got to break away! Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Cincinnati Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is the Madoff Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5. With me, of course, is the one and only podcast maven at WBBM, Odyssey's Man of Sound. It is Jay Zawoski. Jay Congratulations, buddy. We have officially made it to NHL opening night. Yes, sir. The Hawks dropped the puck on the season tonight, and Nathan McKinnon's out. <laughs> womp, womp. Get the prices right. Uh, sad song in there. I had the uh, I had a tweet like, oh, that's really a shame that he's not going to play. But then I'm like, well, he's got COVID, so I shouldn't like, you know. I shouldn't and he's vaccinated. He has no symptoms. So, you know, that's... Well, yeah, that sucks for him, but at least he'll hopefully be better soon. And it doesn't appear that it'll be anything long term. It just, you know, it's OK for the Blackhawks. They don't have to deal with them tomorrow. Yeah. You know what he gets? He gets this. He's like staring awkwardly at the screen right now, just kind of <laughs> frozen with uh, dismay. That's what yeah. just happened. Well, I think that's that's the appropriate sound for Nathan McKinnon. But it's good for the Hawks. Good news for the Hawks because we know this season every point is going to matter. And anything that makes the avalanche a little bit uh, less daunting is a good thing. But we're ahead of ourselves. Thank you for joining us here on opening day of the Blackhawks season. Some great games last night with Tampa and Pittsburgh and then Vegas and Seattle uh espn's broadcast debuted we're going to talk about that in the second half of the show so make sure you stick around for that but we've got a ton of hawks news to get to but before we do 
Make sure you're following us on all of our social media channels. We're on Twitter at Madhouse Pod. We're on Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. You can email us, madhousepod at gmail.com. I pledge to be better about getting the emails during podcasts. I've been really bad about it. I will fix that, I promise. One thing to note, our T Public Shop, which has all kind of cool designs. They've got the Madhouse uh, logos, obviously. They've got uh, the some NHL 94 theme stuff on there. Some really cool uh, hockey designs that you will like. The sale started today, up to 35% off everything. $13 classic tees at our T Public Shop. And it's not just t-shirts. They've got coffee mugs, buttons, stickers. Uh, you know, if you want a wall tapestry, you can do that. Phone cases, anything with the Madhouse logo or any of our designs, you can get it at our T Public Shop. And even if you're not going to buy anything from the Madhouse and you need to have some shopping to do on T Public, Use the link in our social media bio and you will help us out regardless uh, with any shopping you do at T Public. So take advantage of that sale. It ends on the 17th, but it starts today. All right. More importantly, what's starting today is the Blackhawk season. And there's so much to get to. And we've had a whole off season to kind of talk about what's going to happen. And now we have some answers. Where do we start? There's so many things. We've got Alex Nylander sent down. We've got Dylan Strom, the subject of trade rumors, all day yesterday. We've got Mackenzie Entwistle, apparently the starting fourth-line center. Eric Gustafson signs. Both backup goalies, Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban, get through waivers. James, where are we starting? The floor is Dylan Strom, probably, just because I would argue he's probably the most attractive asset in terms of a trade out of all of those guys. I think maybe start with him because his situation is just really, it's really fascinating right now because he's on the team's roster. He's eligible to play, but it sure sounds like he's going to be a healthy scratch tomorrow night because they're working on trying to send him somewhere else. Yeah, it was uh, Dylan Strom and Adam Gaudette were the two that were held out of practice and Strom was all over the rumors, and it's interesting you say that because I'm thinking like, eh, he doesn't really have any value. Does anyone really want him? But if you look around NHL Twitter, fans at least are really enthralled with the opportunity of bringing Dylan Strom to their team. I saw a lot of Leafs fans who think they're in on every trade, of course. I saw a lot of Rangers fans who were interested in it. So I think they're, and it, I know fans don't dictate player value, but I think it does can kind of reflect the value or perception about a player around the league. And I'm wondering if the Hawks, you know, if they can get a decent third round pick for Dylan Strom, I'm very happy with that, let alone a warm body, uh, someone that can actually help on the ice. But, but we've talked about it so much. There's such a log jam of players. And the reason Dylan Strom is available is because there really are no roster spots for him. So I don't know. I think they probably just try to recoup some draft picks and go from there. But uh, whatever happens, it looks like Dylan Strom's uh, time with the Blackhawks is up. And I, it sort of takes me to my question here. Injuries are going to happen, right? Like We've seen what's happening on the defense with Caleb Jones and with Wyatt Kalnick, two guys that maybe we're going to be in the starting lineup uh, tonight, opening night. And they're out. And now Ian Mitchell is, is thrown into things. And then they have to sign Eric Gustafson. Do you feel like James is too early to be looking to trade Dylan Strom? Is it someone you should maybe hang on to since your cap space is sort of figured out? Would you rather the Hawks hang on to him in case someone of significance goes down? 
You know, it's kind of a weird situation because they're kind of handling the 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 roster kind of jumble in that way, but with other players. They're aiming to keep, it seems like, both uh, Kara and Ryan Carpenter, and seems like they're going to play both of them over Adam Gaudet, which is kind of surprising to me because I thought that Gaudet would end up getting some playing time early in the season. But then you have those two guys who I think you could easily swap him out for one of them, and I don't think you would be doing your depth and your forward group any disservices by doing that. I'm surprised they're handling that situation in that way, but then not playing Dylan Strom while they're potentially looking to move him. I feel like it would be a lot smarter if you're not sure if you're going to be able to move this guy at any point in the near future, I think it's still smart to play him because I do feel like he, out of the 14 forwards that they have, I think it's pretty clear he's one of the top 12. I don't think that that's a stretch to say that, and I'm not obviously the biggest Dylan Strom fan in the world, but I'm still surprised that they're kind of treating him in that way where they're almost like just holding him out of the lineup in case a trade ends up happening. Unless it happens in the next day or two, I think that you're doing yourself a disservice by not having Dylan Strom out there and playing, especially when you're treating a guy like Gaudette in that way where it seems like you're kind of not willing to give the younger guy kind of a shot to make the roster it's just a very odd handling of the situation I would think yeah I agree with you it did feel like the fact that like all the insiders had it like it was Friedman had it today and Cervelli had it today and it was it was news today which makes me feel like it could be somewhat imminent like it's going to happen very very soon who knows it could happen today it could happen tomorrow it could happen a week from now but the way they're handling it, because you're right, he is definitely one of their best 14 or, or yeah, 12 forwards. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, he's better than Kara. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he's, he, you know, if you've got one game to win, who's in your lineup, Mackenzie Entwistle or Dylan Strom? The answer is Dylan Strom, right? But they also are, you know, I think maybe Calton is trying to go for a certain style on that fourth line. And if you look at the way it was lined up at practice uh, yesterday, it was, uh, and however you want to number these, feel free. It was Johnson centering Debrinkit and Kane, Taves centering Kubelik and Kurashev, Doc centering Borgstrom and Hagel, and then Entwistle centering Kara and Carpenter. So maybe they're just trying to go with a more traditional fourth line. And Dylan Strom is certainly not one of those players. So then when you look at the other nine slots, who do you sit for him? You know they're big on Borgstrom. You know Borgstrom's going to play. They gave up a lot to get him. He was the centerpiece of that Florida trade, even though Riley Stillman worked out and worked out very well so far. You know Borgstrom's going to get every chance he can to succeed, and he should because he had a pretty solid preseason. Um, I just, you know, I just don't know where he plays, and and maybe Cowan is going to say, you know, there was a definite attention paid to getting bigger and more physical in the off season, not just with Kara, but you know, uh, with Jake McCabe, he's more physical. In you know, so they they were definitely looking to add that element, and he's going to play the phys- the more physical, the bigger fourth line. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Obviously, that is what these decisions kind of point to in terms of what Colleton is looking to do. I just think that at the end of the day, you're probably better off trying to get your best 12 forwards on the ice, especially early in the season. I do feel like it's probably 
smarter, and especially against a team like Colorado, who you're probably going to have to score at least three, four, five goals to be able to beat. I feel like going out there with a little bit more of an athletic group instead of just trying solely to slow them down with those forwards, I think is probably ultimately a smarter idea. This isn't a knock on Ryan Carpenter or Yuhar Kara, by the way. I think both of those guys are really solid players in their own way. But I also feel like if you're going to have Dylan Strom on the roster anyway and you're not sure when the heck he's going to get traded, it just seems like a really odd decision not to try to kind of fit him into a role where he can potentially be of use to you, at least until you end up uh, trading him away. I think until you know your power play is at least, or I'm sorry, your penalty kill is at least average, you can't take Carpenter out. Like you, you just can't. He he is the PK captain. Maybe the and we got to see how it goes tonight, but we'll see how they handle Jonathan Taves' minutes. He's obviously yeah. going to be on the penalty kill too. But if they're looking to cut his ice time a little bit, maybe he's the second penalty kill center. I don't know. I, I don't know how they're handling the penalty kill. By the way, it's it's so interesting to me that both Kirby Doc and Alex DeBrincat are going to be doing this. Like, this is yeah. a huge departure from what they did last season. And, yes, I know I can already hear all of our listeners talking about how awful the penalty kill was during the preseason. That is something I've got a razor-sharp eye on because Doc and DeBrincat, I I can expect a lot of things from Jeremy Colleton. I kind of got a sense of what he ends up doing that particular strategy caught me by surprise. Yeah, they both did it last year, um, but it, you know that was without Jonathan Taves and without Bingo. some of the more offen- more defensively minded players that they've brought in. DeBrinkett proved, despite his size, that he is capable of playing in every zone. Right, like he's he's an effective player. He's a relentless uh, four checker, and he's just hockey smart. Right, so I, I don't I, I see him as I get why he's penalty killing, but. You know, Doc is big, but he's not overly physical. I'm interested to see how long that lasts because maybe you just put him in this thing and, you know, you just say, hey, focus on offense for now. We want to see you start scoring with more consistency. And I like that they're trying to make Kirby Doc a complete player. That guy who can step into Jonathan Taves' shoes as the, as the you know, two-way forward that can do everything. But there's no need to rush it. We got to remember, he's still only 20 years old. And they've got now some veterans that can do that job, too. I don't mind mm-hmm. doing it here and there, but I think it's short leash for Kirby Doc on the penalty kill. Right? Yeah, you're more than likely right. And it's not something that he he didn't jump off the screen when he was doing that during the preseason. Yeah, and good, good or bad. No, you're yeah, absolutely he, correct. It was fine, right. And, and it's I, I find it very interesting that they're at least giving him the shot to try to prove that he belongs there again. Like, I do think that he has potential there. I'm sure they look at his size and they look at his ice awareness and say, you know, that could fit a penalty killing role. The things that obviously scare me about it are his inexperience and his inability to win faceoffs. Those are two Pretty significant obstacles if you're looking at it. And so maybe you shelter him a little bit. Maybe you put him out there with Taves who can actually win draws or you put him out there with Carpenter and have Carpenter take the draws. I'm really interested to see how that ends up looking on the ice. And I know this is a completely off-topic type of thing since we started with uh, roster construction, but it just that was one of the things going into that first game that I feel like Blackhawk fans really need to kind of keep an eye on. Well, I think another thing we need to say, and I think as a reminder to ourselves too, comparing the way this season is coached and managed is comparing it to the last year is moot 
because last year's goal was play these kids, see what you've got, right? See who sticks, see who doesn't, use it to evaluate your young players because you knew without Jonathan Taves and with Kirby Doc missing the beginning of the season that you weren't going to be a playoff team. Everyone knew that realistically, but the second you trade for Seth Jones, the second you sign Jake McCabe, the second you trade for Marc-Andre Fleury, it changes the way the season's going to go. And you've got to now go with, look, I think you can still give young guys a look, right? If they earn it and if they're playing well, but this season's about winning. They need to get point. They made this commitment for the sole purpose of winning and getting in the playoffs. So it's not experiment time. It's trial by fire, maybe, and give Doc a chance to fail. I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. But again, if he's struggling on the PK t- tonight against Colorado, you got to get him off there. You got to figure out something yeah. else because those two points are huge. I know it sounds ridiculous to be talking about the first game of the season, but it's a division game against a ch- team you'll be chasing most of the season. I think a lot of the NHL will be chasing them for yeah. most of the season, and you've got an opportunity here. So, you know, I think development takes a, a little bit of a back burner uh, in, in terms of strategy. And we'll see. I, I, what they're, I do they're like, still one of the youngest teams in the NHL, though, of right? Didn't I see yes. that today? Yep. And, and what I do like so far, and look, it's the, the day of game one, um, the guys who have deserved to play are playing, right? Nylander got sent down. Borkstrom had a good preseason. Entwistle earned a job. And I think if you went back and listened to one of our podcasts from July or August, and we are prospecting what's going to happen this season, Mackenzie Entwistle <laughs> isn't probably a name we said very often. No. Well, I he was one of those guys who kind of had the Nylander vibe, right? Where it kind of seemed like he was going to always be a tweener guy who you would kind of look to to potentially make the roster, but would ultimately fall short at the end. And then he came into the preseason and absolutely blew the doors off the place (laughs) and just was one of the top guys on the ice every single night for the Blackhawks. And Jeremy Colleton had good conscience. And again, with your stated mentality that they need to win now, you put your best 12 on the ice for the forward group every night. Mackenzie Entwistle, night in, night out during the preseason, was one of those guys. He definitely proved that he belonged. And obviously, if he doesn't end up panning out, that's totally fine. But after that preseason, there was no way they were going to be able to keep him off the roster. And I'm glad they made that decision. Yep, me too. And I was sort of, you know, not really sure what to expect because he was sent down with Kurashev and we knew that they were, especially with Kurashev, we knew that it was uh, just a salary cap sort of a thing. But then I, I wasn't sure if Entwistle was considered the same. And it's good to see that he was. It's good to see that the players that have earned the playing time have gotten it. At least for game one, as long as things don't change today before the game, the you know the players that deserve to be out there are out there. And and that's good. I like I was a little bit afraid, not not terrified, but a little bit afraid that Alex Nylander was going to get the old like, well, last chance kind of treatment that he absolutely did not deserve because he well, did yeah, nothing. And like we said repeatedly, it's not like he skated with the urgency that reflected how serious that challenge was. Yeah, it's I'm troubled by his lack of performance. It's just weird. I I just, I don't know, a former first-round pick, a guy with everything to prove, coming off an injury, and I think maybe the injury is a bit of a factor, sure. Perhaps, sure. But you, like, 
and it's it's always difficult to gauge effort, right? Like, oh, to, and we said that uh, in our last podcast uh, specifically yeah, about him. But there was nothing in his game that showed a guy who was fiery and wanting to compete and like winning. Like you can see a guy try to win a race to a puck or try to win a puck in a corner. He played a passive game. You can see that. You can see if a guy is playing passively or actively. Watch Tyler Johnson and watch Alex Nylander. Those are two totally different players, right? In terms of their intensity and, and Brandon Hagel's another example. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm sure Nylander will, will get some, a call up with an injury here or there. Right. But I don't know. Like, who Were you surprised the... he cleared waivers, by the way? No. I was just about to say, like, who's going to give him a shot? I don't know. It's not an expensive deal. No, I know. I and you know we we've talked about the pedigree now since the day he was acquired. Um, uh, yes, but it's just it just not hasn't the dog shown food, up the uh, lineage. <laughs> yes, correct. I'm sorry. That was a terrible. <laughs> I will freely admit that one was terrible. I can be uh, put out in the stocks at dawn if no, you want no, to no. for that one. People come for the puns and they stay for the <laughs> hockey talk. That's the whole. That's the whole point of the podcast. So yeah, I just you know. I don't someone will sign him to a two way deal and he'll flounder there and bounce up and down. I just don't think we're going to see the next step in Alex Nealander's career happen, especially not in Chicago. I think right. this is it. There's should not we talk be about uh, teams taking, should we talk about teams taking flyers on guys? There is a guy that the uh, Blackhawks just did that on. Yeah. Defenseman Eric Gustafson is back, and boy, you want to see a Twitter meltdown oh my about God. an $800,000 seventh defenseman? <laughs> Go on Blackhawks Twitter, folks. Holy cow. People were... Re- I-, I was like, look, I-, I-, I know that he's not good defensively, but if you need a seventh defenseman to come in and like play 14 minutes and be a, a-, a power play specialist, yeah, okay, it's a guy that knows the system... Uh, it, whatever the system may be, you know, the power play immediately was what jumped to mind for me because they don't have Wyatt Kalnick and they don't have Caleb Jones. And both of those guys got opportunities to play on the blue line during power plays. You lose both of them. What are you going to do? Are you going to force like Connor Murphy out there on a regular basis? Calvin Nahan? No, go no. ahead and take a flyer on cheap Eric Gustafson, who, by the way, let me emphasize this point had 60 points a couple of seasons ago for the Blackhawks 60 that is a lot for a defenseman you can say all you want that his defense sucks it does yes it does but they are not looking at him to be a (laughs) shutdown defenseman they're not looking at him to be a top four guy they are looking at him to do two things get on power play make offense happen that's it everything else is incidental to that goal he's going to get 10 minutes a night y'all are going to feel real silly for getting all bent out of shape about this it, it's a very the calculus on this is very simple he can help you score goals on the power play that's what they need him to do yep. that's what they're going to have him do and as long as Jeremy Colleton doesn't go out there have a stroke while he's coaching and end up putting him on like the top pair <laughs> this is totally fine it is not it is not meltdown worthy. And I know I saw all of the litany of lists of the Blackhawks retreads and blah, 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 that the role they are looking at him to play is not significant enough to justify this outrage and to justify the proliferation of those lists. That's all I'm saying. Well, and the fact that Ian Mitchell's in tonight's lineup, at least uh, uh, apparently, right, as of the time we're recording this, um, th- th- that's a good sign. He's not trying to rush Gustafson in. 
He's letting Ian Mitchell play. Also had a really good preseason with the Islanders, by the way. Every Islanders beat writer that mentioned Gustafson after he signed in Chicago said it was simply a salary cap game, and that's the only reason he's not still with the Islanders. And the only reason he's with the Blackhawks is because of the uh, the aforementioned injuries to Kalanick ding, and Jones. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, if those don't happen, he's not here. So let's let's pump the brakes on the outrage, the Eric Gustafson outrage. For for a bit until uh, you know JC shows us a reason to panic, but I, I'm not look for a seventh defenseman for under a million bucks for a guy who's a proven power play specialist. Fine, right? Use him in a pinch. Because um, look, I think the Hawks' offense should be pretty good, but they're going to get in a lot of shootout games. I think we're going to look at like a lot of you know six four five three type games, and and those special teams are going to matter. And the penalty kills crap until it's not, right? Uh, so you're going to need help on the power play. But it doesn't even look like he's going to play uh, right away. So so I guess all of the uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth was for naught. Is that what you're saying? I would say so. I mean, look, we saw a lot of changes after the first game last season, right? Like, remember, Hagel didn't play the first game. So maybe Adam Gaudet and Eric Gustafson and Dylan Strom are all back in the lineup for the second game of the year. that That's a possibility. But they play three times in four nights. That is definitely a possibility. Right. So for right now, game one tonight, they have done what seems to be the right thing. So let's just not panic until it's time to panic. That's what I'm saying. You know, you know what else causes weeping and gnashing of teeth, Jay? What? Nashville hot chicken. Oh, it does. In a good way, though. Yes. In the best way possible. And if you want some Nashville hot chicken, the best place to get it is not Nashville. It's right here in Chicagoland at Fry the Coop. Frythecoop.com. Check out their website. Place your order online. If you're in the Chicagoland area, there is a Fry the Coop near you. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. That is a very nice scattershot of the Chicagoland area. You can get to one relatively quickly. If you're someone that works in the city or goes to the city, you're near one easily. So go check them out. It's a uh, Hot chicken tenders. They got the chicken sandwich. They got the donut chicken sandwich. Uh, pro tip: get those seasoned fries. They're amazing. Get yourself the honey butter either on the sandwich or on the side, and you will have your life made. If you want to dine in, they're open for dine in. Great craft beer selection as well. Fry the Coop is a place that improved and grew during a pandemic. And when that happens to a business, you know they're doing something right. So if you've not tried Fry the Coop yet, do it now. It is time. Celebrate opening night at Fry the Coop. Frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. All right, so tonight's game. Colorado, obviously uh, the favorite in the division. I think one of my favorites in the West. I don't really see a lot of teams better. I just I feel like Colorado falls short a lot in the playoffs, but we're talking about regular season kind of predictions here. I don't. I think Colorado is is head and shoulders the best in the Central for sure, and I think even as you look at the Western Conference as a whole, it's really, really they're they're really stacked. I I, I fail to find someone who you can convince me is a lot better than them. Maybe Vegas, yeah. But anybody else, even like close to their level in the West, to you? In the West, that's a. Really good question. I, I think, okay, I'm probably going to 
be laughed out of existence when I say this. The Minnesota Wild have a pretty solid team this year. They could be interesting. They could pose some issues to the Avs, I think. They not I don't say I'm not saying they're better than them. The Wild are definitely a team I'm looking at. I definitely agree with you about Vegas. I think Vancouver is a very interesting team as well. And then playoff issues aside, Edmonton obviously has a very good roster too. So there are some teams that I think could pose a challenge to Colorado. I don't think that any of those teams you can make a super compelling argument are definitely better than Colorado at this point. But I think that they at least pose a challenge and they pose stumbling blocks, especially if they meet in the playoffs. By the way, speaking of all this playoff stuff, I don't know if we mentioned this on our last podcast. 538 did their annual projection of potential playoff teams. Yeah. Did you see where the Blackhawks ranked in the Central Division? I don't think I saw the 538 one. Was that the one where they finished below Arizona? Dead last that is in the central division they had i think it was a 35 percent chance of making the playoffs well, we know how well 538 does it predict it predict uh predicting <laughs> things don't we i just i found that fascinating because as i went down the list i kind of winnipeg is a good team they are a good team st louis solid mm-hmm. dallas didn't make the playoffs last year still think they're solid solid minnesota solid and when you start getting into nashville and arizona I struggle to find compelling cases where both of those teams should have better playoff odds than the Blackhawks, especially the moves the Blackhawks made. If they can stay relatively healthy, they've got some good depth, man. I think they can make a push to finish in that three to five range in this division. And I don't think they're going to challenge Colorado for the division title. But if you're telling me they could compete for a wild card spot, I totally think that's within the realm of possibility. And even if I think they maybe are a skosh behind the Predators, like I can see that, there's no way in hell the Coyotes are a better team than the Blackhawks. There just isn't. I would just love to know what was the metric used to measure this. Like, are you not, are they not factoring in like the growth of young players? Are they not factoring in? Jonathan Taves is back and their logo is not nineties enough. (laughs) That could be it. I just, I just don't, I don't know. It's, I don't know how you can look fine. Give me, you give me a case for every other team in the central over the Hawks, including Nashville. Fine. I'll hear your arguments, but Arizona like based on what I really don't understand. Whatever. I mean, look, okay. Jay, Jay, you want to play a game right now? Sure. Can you name three players on the Arizona coyotes? Uh, yeah. Um, Christian Dvorak is still on there, right? That's my guy. I like him. Did he move? I think he moved in the offseason, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Christian Dvorak is a member of the Montreal Canadiens. That's right. He did move. That's right. Okay. All right. Um, I knew he got traded. I could not remember who he got. Oh, I know Blackhawks legend Andrew Ladd is on there now. Who knows if he'll play? Uh, they've still got Phil Kessel. They do still have Phil Kessel. I'm trying to think of their. Who was their? <laughs> I love their big move of the off season. I I just saw his name and I laughed because I forgot they did that. Oh, um, the guy with the name Ghost. Yeah, Ghost Go Spare. Yeah, Shane Ghost to Spare. He he is indeed a Coyote. That's uh, uh, replaced Oliver Ekman Larson. Uh, now a Canuck. You, yes, now a Canuck. And the, uh, didn't he, he got traded with somebody else from the Coyotes to the Canucks, didn't he? I think so. And don't they have the guy that the Hawks fans couldn't live without, Ryan Zingle? Ryan Zingle, yep. Yeah. 
That's it. From That's... Wheaton, Illinois. Who's their goalie? Uh, their goalie is Carter Hutton. Uh, I know. Isn't how... that just something? How I don't know how I don't know what argument you can make that they're better. I'm they gonna have to read that thing. They have guys out. like that. I obviously am kind of. They have Louis Erickson, which fine, whatever. <laughs> they have blows. Jay Beagle, fine, whatever. Nick Schmaltz, you forgot Nick Schmaltz. Please call him by his real name, Jabe Eagle. <laughs> uh, Clayton Keller, still a very good player, 23 yeah. years old. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. I uh, Jacob Chichir. How do you say his name? Chichiron. I can't remember. I never pronounce that right. Chicharones. Chicharones. Mm-hmm. They have several players that I, I'm pretty sure are made up. Vladislav Provolanov. It's, chi- it's Chikrin, by the way. He literally, he's from Vorkuta, undefined. They don't even know what country he's from. <laughs> he's from Parts Unknown. He's a pro wrestler. <laughs> he is apparently from Parts Unknown. He, like, they literally don't even know where he's from. And then their backup goaltender is Karol Velmel- Velmeka. And he's from Czechoslovakia, which, by the way, isn't a country, ESPN. Yeah. What are you doing? They're definitely better than the Blackhawks. <laughs> come on. <laughs> the Hawks have... Uh, come on. The Hawks have how many players better than anyone on their roster? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, tell, I can't, tell I can't me... Even, words fail me right Tell now. me one player... Let's see. Tell me one player on the... Coyotes that you would take over. I'm trying to like t- you would take over Connor Murphy, like without a doubt. Uh, Clayton Keller. That's it. That's the yeah, one I guy. Think that's it. Yeah. Would you take him over Seth Jones? No. no, no. Would you take him over Patrick Kane? No, no. Jonathan Taves? No. Nope. Alex DeBrinkett? No, no. Kirby Doc? We could talk. Maybe we could talk. Yeah, we can discuss that. But that I mean, come on. That, that come on. Five thirty eight. Go back to. <laughs> Go back to horribly predicting elections. <laughs> God. All right. Should we do our official? Uh, I guess this this is the day to do it, right? What is our official predictions for? Um, let's do the division. Let's do the conference, and let's do the cup. Okay. Do you want to start in the East? Let's start in the East. Yeah. Who, who's winning the Atlantic? To me, it's Tampa. I mean, Ooh. they're so freaking good. I know they, I, they, they might win their third in a row. They, they honestly might. might win their third in a row. I, just to be a contrarian, I'm going with Toronto because I think those are obviously the top two dogs. Boston's in that conversation. But, yeah, I'm looking at Toronto. I still think they can do it. I still think they can pull it off. I'm going to go with the Leafs. Okay. What about the Met? The Met is a very interesting division. Yeah. I, that sounds like a kid doing a book report who didn't read the book. <laughs> it's a um, very, very, you got to, because it has to be so many words. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, the Islanders have a really good shot at it. The Hurricanes have a good shot at it. I, I like what the Flyers have done. I, I was on the Flyers bandwagon last season. Can't forget about the Penguins and the Caps. That's a... It's a division with a lot of teams that could either do really well or really poorly just because based on their projections. Like, who knows what Carolina lost some really significant pieces during the offseason, made some really questionable moves. Still have a ton of talent. Like, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm going with the Islanders. That's a weird pick, I acknowledge, but I'm just going to go with the Isles. Yeah, I, I, that's where I was leaning to, and I know that uh, Andrews Lee had surgery in March. Yeah, but I'm looking here. It says he's probably going to play. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 it's hard. 
there's no one that really stands out. Like Pittsburgh, you've got Crosby hurt, you've got Malkin hurt, you've got those guys on the wrong side of 30. Um, Carolina, you're right, they did lose some pieces, but they're just so solid. They're just built to win that team, you know, and yeah. and they're well coached and they've got everything going for them. Brenda Moore's got a new deal. Um, Does I am, this mean, by the way, that I'm uh, kicked off the Caniacs bandwagon that I didn't pick them to win the division? No, you're trying to be smart. <laughs> oh, okay, Alex. I mean, I still think they'll finish like second or third. I'll still root like hell for them in the playoffs. Can I? Can I stay? Yes, Please? you can stay. Absolutely, okay. I will allow it. I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to take Carolina, just because, despite the losses, I just think that they're they're like a team that's going to win a cup soon. I, it feels that way, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And I I don't know if it's this year, but I just think that there's. They are primed, and they're a, a team built for a playoff run. They're going to be one of the better teams in that uh, division, so I'm taking them. To what about the, the Devils? I, don't, I always feel it's like every year there's like the Devils hype train, and then they suck. I mean, they did get Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how see we'll see how good he is. I just I'm Carolina. not sold on Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ranta as the goaltending combo. No, I think their blue line is still real solid. They did bring in. <clears throat> Excuse me. They did bring in Ethan Bear this offseason. They do have, obviously, uh, Jakob Slavin still, who's an incredibly good player. They brought in Tony D'Angelo. Your guy. <laughs> yeah, totally our guy. <laughs> no, um, I said your guy. Their, their forward guy. group is obviously fantastic. And Coke Kinniami getting him from the Canadians in one of the best troll moves of all time. I love the whole thing, man. It was really funny <laughs> to me. Um, by the way, ESPN does have Czech Republic named as a place of birth for Hurricanes players. So apparently that other goaltender from Arizona, he was from Czechoslovakia for some reason. Maybe it's what it was when they were born. Dude's only 25. So, okay, so I don't it's think not that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just ESPN uh, doing uh, poorly with that. Uh, get it figured out, bro. All right. Give me the Pacific. Balsam specific. That's a Simpsons thing. I mean, we're, um, we're picking between two teams here. Let's be honest. I yeah, mean, I, I, I'm. I, you got to go Vegas. I, I know. I know. I was talking about the Canucks, and I know I said that I do like what they're doing up there in Vancouver. I think this is going to be a great shootout for the division title. But until further notice, I'm still going with the Golden Knights. I just think they've got the depth, the talent. I just, I really do think that they're going to do it. It's going to be really interesting, especially not having the two headed monster of flurry and, uh, uh, Leonard. Whoa. I blanked on his name. Hardcore. Not, not having that two headed monster. And that is very interesting for them, but I'm still going with Vegas. Yeah. It's really tough to not go with Vegas. They're just, they're just so good. They're so stacked and it feels like they're another team just like, um, Carolina that is, that is poised to win. A Stanley Cup. Now their backup goalie is uh I don't know this guy. Brossois? Laurent Brossois. That's a great name. That is a fantastic name. I wonder if he's related to Laurent Dauphin. Well, they spell and pronounce their names differently. Um yeah, I don't <laughs> uh formerly with the Jets. I don't know much about this guy. Jets Oilers played 14 games for the Jets last year. He was six and six. 242 uh, goals against uh, 0.918 save potential. Not terrible. No. Decent not numbers, at all. but he's not Marc Andre Fleury. And you know, at some point this year, Leonard's going down. He seems to have not anything major, but there he will t just based on his play style, he will miss a few games here and there. Right. Um, and, you know, you don't have that 
amazing backup plan of, oh, yeah, the guy that won the Vezina Trophy last year, Marc-Andre Fleury. Still, I'm going with Vegas. I still think Vegas could could challenge for the Stanley Cup as well. So I've got them uh, coming out of the Pacific. And Are you I writing think, these down, by the way? Uh, no, but I will once I go back and listen to the podcast. Okay, that sounds fair. I think, do you want to, we can maybe do an Atlantic bet, kind of like we did last season with the, uh, was it the Scotiabank North Division? Uh, I believe that, yeah, that makes sense. Scotia North, Nova Scotia. Yes, I think so. I, I think we can do another bet for that uh, division this season. Okay, so I have the Canes and you have the... Or no, it, we were going to... Oh, oh, do you Atlantic. want to do the Atlantic no, or the Matt? No, you're right. So I have Tampa, you have Toronto? Correct. I'll take that bet. Okay. All day. Party right, down. Let's do the whole Central. Let's let's rank the Central. Oh, good God. This has the potential to look horrendous. Who do you think is going to finish in last in the Central? Arizona. Yeah, that's obvious pick. Yeah, I'm going Colorado. Okay. I'm going Winnipeg. Ooh, okay. I'm going Dallas. Ooh, yeah, you and I are on divergent paths now. I'm going St. Louis. I'm going Chicago. Chicago fifth, okay. I'm going Nashville. I'm going... You have Minnesota 7th? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Minnesota, Nashville. Okay, so Minnesota 6th then. Yep. Okay. I was going to say 7th? Dang, dude. You and I apparently have very divergent views on what the Wild are going to do I think the Hawks and Wild are going to be neck and neck all year. I think there's going to be kind of like a three-team log jam, and I do have the Blackhawks and the Wild both in that jam, so to speak. Um. I obviously I got to agree with you about Colorado. I think they're the prohibitive Stanley Cup favorites. I, I just think they have such an incredibly deep and talented team. They're going to do that. So I'm going to go with them. Number one, number two. I hate doing this because it once again mirrors you. I'm going Winnipeg. Number two. I'm going to go Minnesota. Number three. Damn. I am going to go with the screw it. I'm going the Blackhawks four. Oh, I'm going to go with the Blues at five. Dallas at six, Nashville seven, Arizona eight. All right. I like it. I, I, I don't know why I had just had that that moment where I was like, you know what? Screw it. The Blackhawks are finishing fourth in the central, but here we are. I like it, man. I like it. So there they are, our official predictions. Mine for the uh, central division, Colorado, Winnipeg, Dallas, St. Louis, Chicago, Minnesota, Nashville, Arizona. James has Colorado, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Chicago, St. Louis, Dallas, Nashville, Arizona. All right, let's pick our Stanley Cup final. Who are you going with? Well, we're back to the traditional this this season, which yep. is good. Um, I am going to go with I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a division champion from the West is not going to go to the cup final. I'm going to go with Vancouver. Wow. All right. I think I think Vancouver, they they just got so many young, incredibly talented pieces. They've been trending in the right direction for several years. Screw it, Vancouver. Let's roll, man. All right. So go with them. And then out in the east, I I got to go with Toronto. If I'm going to ride them to win that division, I'm going to go ahead and say we're having an all-Canadian Stanley Cup final. Toronto and Vancouver, let's go. You're you're loco. You're talking loco, and I like it. Give me, <laughs> give me the Golden Knights in the uh, Stanley Cup final. And I, too, am not going to pick the Lightning. I'm going to go lockstep with you and pick the Leafs again. Pick there the you Leafs go. Too. I don't know. I just, it's, at some point, 
<laughs> right? Like at some point, this talented bunch of the, the what's happening now to me is the Leafs are the new capitals, right? Like they've got the, one of the biggest stars in the league and they just can't put it together in the playoffs for whatever reason. They can't get over the hump. At some point, that team's getting over the hump. I don't think Tampa's going to win three cups in a row. It's not the friggin' you know, Canadians of the 60s anymore. It's, that's not where we're at. Um, I think that's almost impossible. And they lost their entire third line, which is a very solid third line at that. Um, I'm That's where I'm going. I'm going Vegas, Toronto, and who's your winner? Uh, crap. I, I cannot believe I have to pick the Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup, but that is exactly what I'm going to do. I like it. I like it. Toronto to win the Stanley Cup. I feel extremely dirty and extremely stupid now. (laughs) Well, you should because you are dirty and you are stupid, but not because of your picks. You might want to fix that. All right. We've previewed the Hawks. We've made our predictions. Last night was a big night for the NHL. They debuted on ESPN for the first time in forever. We're going to talk about our thoughts on the NHL's first night. We've got the Hawks game uh, tonight is on tnt correct so that'll be exciting that'll be the first broadcast on tnt so make sure you check your local listings for that channel so you don't tweet where's the hawks game i want pat foley they're uh, not gonna Blackhawks be will be on espn on tuesday by the way excellent all right so we're going to talk about the espn broadcast when we come back on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast I'm about to go oh, run headfirst through a wall, man. Seriously. It's so great to hear that song again. Whatever your feelings are about ESPN as a whole, in terms of sports theme music, this is right there with Round Ball Rock and Monday Night Football. This is my favorite because hockey is my favorite sport. Mm-hmm. This is just a classic. And if you didn't see it, I tweeted it from my account. I'll tweet it from the show account too. The intro they did about this song and the making of this song was just awesome. Yes, it was narrated by Justin Bieber. Don't let that throw you off. It's like the biggest pop star in the world. That's quite he a He stepped on the logo. Yeah, he stepped on the logo because the Hawks let him step on the logo. No one said anything. No one says anything when 40 grown men on ice skates skate over the logo every night, but it's whatever. A, it's a beloved carpet. I, Jim Jim Vandermeer almost killed me because my heat like the heel of my shoe was on the lip of the carpet. He like literally like nudged me and like pointed at the carpet. I'm like, oh sorry. I was in like a big scrum in the locker room, but yeah. they let the Beebs just stand there. And that picture of of the Beebs standing on the logo, you can see Jay Blunk and you can see Brandon Faber, who is now with the Bears, and I think it's Adam Rogowin, who is uh, now in Brandon Faber's role with the Hawks, just standing there. Looking very uncomfortable, like, do we tell him? Do we tell him? Do we just let this happen? They just let he it He has happen. 20 times the followers we do on Twitter. What do we do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think, he, yeah, it's fine. Anyway, go find the intro. Uh, and then so we watched, the obviously, watched the pregame with uh, Steve Levy and Barry Melrose and Chris Chelios and Mark Messier. The extremely tan Chris Chelios. He was very tanned, wasn't he? He's. He, well, he was at a lot of baseball games this summer. So he that was makes at sense. all the base. He's like New Marlins man. <laughs> and instead of 
orange his his skin is orange it's perfect yeah he's no that is an all natural tan i'm no, not he... gonna sit here and pretend that's a spray on no way dude no he is he he is beginning to resemble the hawks logo he is a greek god is what he like is. it was it was uh pierre Pilat for a long time but chelios is like it's the same tone. It's like a golden. There can only be one. Yeah, it's like a golden color. Uh, but I'm. I gotta say, for he looks good. I thought he looked good. I thought Chelios was better than Messier. Messier oh, yeah. got lost in his thoughts a lot. Like, kind of got the verbal diarrhea going a little bit, where he just could not stop talking and found himself in the loop of his own thoughts, which happens to everybody. It We've happens all to me. done that. Yeah. Yes. And it's the first broadcast. But I thought broadcast one. Chelios was a little more calm and just, I think, had overall better thoughts. But mm -hmm. I see the potential in both of them. I mean, look, Mark Messier, that's a dude who's done a lot in hockey. Um, and that doesn't always qualify you to be a broadcaster. But I'm sure when he, when the nerves start to fade a little bit, and maybe when he's in the studio setting and not the big crowd setting, uh, he'll, he'll improve. But uh, overall, I really enjoyed the broadcast. I thought that some of the unique camera angles they used were very cool. Like they had a lower side camera. They had, I think they called it the rush camera mm -hmm. where it was kind of like behind the players as they went up the ice. Yep. Um, there, I saw a couple times during the Vegas and uh, Seattle game, almost like the equivalent of that. And the NFL drone camera that like just flies like straight over the players and moves on a string. They had that. So, uh, I thought the presentation was great. Emily Kaplan was really good between the benches. She so, did say pissed off on national television, which I loved. Good for her. You can say pissed off, not pissed on. That's <laughs> the uh, those are the official rules, right? Um, you're not allowed to describe the act. You can say there's, it. There's two rules in broadcasting. You can say pissed off, not pissed on, and never ever play Michael Buffer ever. Never. You cannot play those words that he made famous. I'm not going to say them because his yeah, I'm, I'm not either. People will be listening. Um, yeah, the but copyright there, police are on us. There was a moment during the uh, Kraken game where they spent like a shift and a half just with this drone cam, and it's really cool. You get like the whole view of the ice, you know, from board to board, and it's the you know, it's not like uh, the NHL video game up and down, it's side to side, but you really get to see everything develop. They, they, for the first night, I think they knocked it out of the park. I think they did a terrific job. I think that we can obviously start with the in-game presentation and then kind of get to some of the other elements like the pre- and post-game show stuff that they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, you can tell what ESPN is doing with the the way they were cutting cameras, especially in the Tampa-Pittsburgh game. They cut cameras, I think, on one rush up the ice by the Penguins. They cut cameras four times, and it was just bang, 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 bang. They are trying to showcase the speed of hockey by doing that mm -hmm. because obviously you want to show how fast these giant men who are skating on knives basically <laughs> that you want to show what they're doing they had the on ice microphones cranked way up in that game they adjusted the mix as the game went on because I think Sean McDonough and Ray Ferrar were kind of quiet in the first period of the game they really had the in arena microphones kind of cranked up to get like the crowd noise and the on ice action mm -hmm. I think what's very clear is that they're trying to hype and to sell hockey they're trying to hype up the speed the athleticism they're good they're doing a lot of close-ups of players a lot of that type of stuff a lot of fan 
camera angles as well. They're clearly trying to sell the energy that you get when you go to a hockey game in an arena, which I think we can agree is one of the things that doesn't always come across best on TV is just how energetic the arena can be, especially in kind of a big time hockey game. I, I think that ESPN is definitely trying to capture that and to present it to the audience in a way that just kind of gets them excited about the sport and maybe kind of appeals to some more casual sports fans who are looking for something to do on nights that there isn't a football game on or whatever. And I kind of get the sense that that's ESPN strategy is to just sell the sport. And I think that that's a lot of what that had to do with. And I will say they do have a lot more camera angles than NBC ever really presented to us. Yes. And I think some of those are just absolutely outstanding. And it was fascinating watching them not just rely solely on that camera that follows the action at a horizontal angle up the ice, getting that kind of vertical view at times and getting obviously the close-ups near the blue lines was absolutely fantastic. And I really did appreciate the way they kind of tried to show you the way that plays unfolded from multiple angles. They had another cool thing. And I think we've all seen this with, I know the Cubs were doing it a lot and the NFL does it. I call it the Madden cam because it makes the screen look like a video game, Um, but they call it the Megalodon camera. And during Pittsburgh and Tampa, I think they might have had a cameraman on the ice between whistles because there was like there was a uh, there was a point where Brian Boyle was just on the ice talking to a teammate and they were using that camera. And I felt like I was on the ice, like the way the camera was moving. It sort of felt like I was skating. It felt like I was on the ice with those guys. And maybe it was just a great zoom and maybe they know some tricks to make it feel that way. Right. But I think my fear with the ESPN thing was that they were going to half-ass it, right? That it was like just money for ESPN and they were going to kind of half pay attention to hockey. And look, it's opening night. Maybe as it goes on, they will cut back some of these uh, great features they used uh, for opening night. But I, I one night gone, I'm super impressed. I think they did a tremendous job. And look, I, I think about what would I improve on a TV broadcast? And I don't really know. Because I've been watching hockey so long that I'm just so used to seeing what's always been presented. Maybe they brought in some people that were like, hey, you know, what what are the struggles you have when watching the game? How can we make it more interesting? And you said it, man. They did a good job of capturing the speed, the physicality, uh, everything. I think those quick cuts you mentioned really add to that. That's a, I, I know it's, it's silly, but that's what the WWE does is... Yeah. They, every time there's an impact, there's a camera cut. It's the main reason they do it is so they don't see a pulling punches, right? Right. But but it also seems to create more energy. You know, anytime a guy is suplexed and they hit the mat, as soon as they hit the mat, the, the camera shifts. Yep. It just ha- it has the function of moving this the scene along, sort of. Mm-hmm. And I think ESPN did a great job of doing that in their first broadcast. I think the thing that probably stood out to me the most out of all of those elements that we discussed is their use of in-game kind of statistical analysis and like metrics, even of like shot speed and stuff. Mm -hmm. They showed some really good replays of a couple of goals, both in the Pittsburgh game. And then again in the Vegas Seattle game where they showed the amount of spacing between players, the way that they pinched off players at the blue line to stop rushes. And then the way that rushes on, unfolded and ultimately resulted in goals. They had a great one where they showed, I believe it was Jonathan Marcheseau. They showed how far away he was from a teammate when they made an outlet pass. And then they followed the action up the ice and they showed how hard 
he ended up scoring his goal, like how hard the shot was. That kind of information is just absolutely fascinating to me as a hockey fan. So I appreciate the fact that they're both trying to kind of bring in more casual fans into the sport while also kind of uh, giving us, you know, hockey fanatics something as well. I really thought that that was interesting. And the way that Ray Ferraro draws up X's and O's, love the way he kind of teaches the game. Very similar to Edzo in that regard. Yeah, what I like about the things you mentioned, like the augmented reality sort of things, I guess, is, is a way to put it is it's it's it is well done and not a gimmick it's not the glow puck right it's it is the players have trackers on them the pucks have trackers on them now and they're using that information to enhance the broadcast Mm -hmm. and again my concern was is expn going to invest in hockey the way i want them to and if their broadcasts throughout the season are like they were last night then hell yes, they're killing it. And I, I just hope that's I just hope, a big question. I, I just hope that the same effort remains, you know, start to finish this season. And I, I, there were obviously some things that, you know, were probably not up to snuff. And I think we can get into those. But I will point out as these games move to ESPN plus and they're only available on that kind of paid platform. I hope that the quality continues to be that way, especially for the ESPN plus exclusive games that they're going to be airing. I think that that's going to be really key. And judging by the way they handle uh, UFC fights and then uh, select ESPN plus only like basketball and football games, I do have confidence that ESPN is going to be able to keep that quality up because they do do it in those other areas. So that's my question though, is are the hockey games on ESPN plus, are they going to be, is this like the, the replacement for NHL.TV where they just take, the home broadcast and and host them on ESPN Plus. Or they, they said that there will be more than one thousand games on ESPN Plus, which I believe indicates that that is kind of the de facto replacement for NHL TV. But because then I mean, the, the league too. plays about thirteen hundred games, so that's a big chunk of the league's games are going to be on ESPN Plus, and they're also going to have exclusive broadcasts on ESPN Plus. I think they're going to have one on Friday night. I think the Anaheim Ducks play on Friday night. That's going to be an ESPN Plus exclusive game. So clearly they are trying to get people to move over to that platform, and that's one of the ways they're going to do it is they are going to have exclusive broadcasts over there. And if you don't know, if you're just sort of jumping onto this now as you see ESPN's coverage is going to be because I don't even think NHL TV is going to exist anymore. I believe you're correct. So if you're looking to see like, okay, how does this work now? They have bundles of Hulu, ESPN plus and Disney plus like bundled together. And I think it's like 14. It's like really reasonable. Um, I don't think they have even NHL center ice anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. I don't think that I think everything now, if you want to watch out of market hockey, it's going to be on ESPN plus. Which it's still a very reasonable deal for the year. I I have ESPN Plus. I've had it for quite a while. I do like it a lot. The documentaries on there, yeah. having the entire thirty for thirty catalog, and I know this sounds like we're you know pimping for ESPN. It's just fact of the matter. I, I do feel like uh, that to me is where you know they're succeeding at is that this platform does work really well. It's going to be great to kind of give people more access to hockey. Definitely. Well, I'm excited for the season to start tonight, man. I cannot wait. If you're curious, yes, indeed, we will do a post-game podcast. Yes, it will be late. We don't care. It's opening night. 
So we'll have a podcast for you uh, late tonight. So make sure you catch that before we wrap up. Want to tell everybody about our friend Kent Sinson at the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, he opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases. Kent is a hockey player. He is a hockey fan. You know he will be locked and loaded with the Hawks tonight. So if you got injured at work, something happened, uh, you know, hazardous drugs or products, slip and fall cases, those sort of things, Kent's your man. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients, and they charge no fees unless they win for you. So call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107. That's 312-332-2107. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call the Simpson Law Group now. That's S-I-N-S-O-N lawgroup.com. We're finally made it, buddy. Hockey is here. And like we said, we'll be with you after the game tonight. So look for it. What? I'm, game ends around 1130 or so, and we'll be probably around 1230. I'll post the episode. So it'll be out late, but it'll be put, out. Put the coffee on, kids. And of course, you can always listen in the morning. It'll yeah. be there. It's not going anywhere. So thanks for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. Hockey is back. So are we. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sits In Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.